place it comfortably. Good evening, everyone, everyone on Zoom. So the last two talks I gave, one was on aversion and one was on grasping. And to complete the trilogy, this one is on um, ignorance. Um, and as you all know from your, your Buddhist reading and, and practice, is that grasping and aversion and ignorance um, from a, a Dharma point of view um, are the causes of dissatisfaction in life. So we're looking, they all work together in a kind of synergy, um, but let's look at the, the last one to complete it. Um, the word ignorance, well, I often use the word apathy as well. I think of it as three A's, attachment, aversion and apathy, the way of remembering it. Um, but it's, it, the, the meaning of the word um, uh, has, has some different connotations. In Buddhist psychology, um, greed, uh, greed and hatred or um, grasping and aversion arise out of ignorance. And, and the ignorance is being um, ignorant of our true nature, our true interconnectedness with everything um, and how we're not separate from anything. But then when we go into our, when we get caught up in grasping and aversion, um, then we lose touch with that connectedness with everything, with the sacred connection with everything. And we become caught in our own self-centred dream, as we use the term in our, our practice. And so the ignorance, the separation, the ignorance of separation gives rise to the grasping and aversion. And the more that we're caught up in grasping and aversion, the more ignorant we become. Right? So it goes around in a circle. And again, often um, it's, it, you can remember these things when you um, use metaphors, and the metaphors which are used in, in classical Buddhism as of the, the rooster and the, the snake and the pig. So the rooster is symbolic of grasping and the snake of hatred or aversion and the pig of ignorance. And I'm sorry that we project these, um, <laughs> these, the, these terrible human qualities onto animals, um, but that's what we do, you know. Um, are pigs really ignorant? I'm not so sure. <laughs> that's what we do. Anyway, they're, they're, they're the symbols of them. So that's one understanding of it, is that out of the ignorance of separation, we give rise to grasping and aversion. Um, but another way of looking at it is that, that um, ignorance, or I like the word apathy, because it's kind of describing a state of mind that we go into. Like we, we move in and out of all of these grasping aversion, ignorance, apathy kind of states all the time in the course of the day. Um, but when, when you're grasping at something or you have an aversion to something, it's kind of like you're alerted to something, like you, you're, you're sort of enlivened to go out after something or you're enlivened to get away from something. So there's kind of like a, um, an alertness there of a, of a kind or a hypervigilance, you know, or an intensity. Um, and we're often in that state of mind, you know, in that more agitated state of mind. But human beings also um, go into states of um, lethargy, um, fantasy, 
indifference, don't care, give up um, kind of states as well. And we can shift between the two, like we can go between like very, very active states of anxiety, for instance, and then when we get exhausted by the anxiety, we sort of go into these dull states of depression or low mood, and then we get out of them again into the anxiety and back into the low mood. And I might be describing things that have psychiatric connotations to them, but it also describes everyone to one degree or another. And um, so we're either running after something or running away from something, or we just kind of don't care. You know? So it's that not caring, indifferent, apathetic state of mind that this term also relates to. And it's important, in terms of practice, it's important to sometimes just do a, a shorthand recognition of which state is predominating. You know, we're sort of going after something, avoiding something, or we're just in the kind of um, lethargic state. And maybe neurologically, they relate to, it would seem to make sense to me that the, the grasping and aversion and doing something is more related to our sympathetic nervous system. And that the, the ignorance is, is the, the dull side of the parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system calms things, but when we're distressed, we don't just calm, um, we numb out, we numb our emotions, we numb our sensations, um, we disassociate, we just become disconnected from reality, and we go into a kind of a blah kind of state um, that, that has its physiological, neurological basis to it as well. So. On an everyday basis, like whether it's informal meditation or just in informal life with practice, um, it's very important to become aware of fantasy states that you just get into, like just sort of daydreaming and caught up in some delusional trance, right, rather than being, being present. And we may often think that, that they're benign, Sometimes they, they may be quite benign. You know, you might be daydreaming in a fond way of your daughter or your son, you know, or your friend. Um, but often they have a quality to them which is... Which is uh, it can be... Fantasy can be entangled up with resentment and grievance or fear, you know, or bleakness or whatever. Um, it had many different different flavours. But when we're caught up in fantasy, we're not here with life as it is. Right? It's, it's the nature of fantasy that we're in um, in our own little dream world. And it's the nature of Zen practice always to be waking up out of that little dream world of words and fantasies and imagination and so on and, and coming into the reality of each moment. You know, the wake-up call, like I was saying in the beginning of Zazen, the truck going past is the wake-up call. You know, they're off fantasising about something, it goes past. Right? Wake-up call. You know, this is what's really happening. And it's by coming back to what's really happening right now 
that we don't just come back to ordinariness. Yes, it is ordinary, um, but as the title of my teacher's, Joko's last book, Ordinary Wonder, when we really come back to the, to the ordinariness of every day, of the truck going past, or our breathing, or the speck on the carpet, if we really are present to that rather than our self-centred dream, some, somewhere along the line, it's not just ordinary, it's wonders. <laughs> you know, and, and you have a bigger picture. It's like a good, often called, some people call it big mind. Right? So there's a speck on the carpet, but that speck on the carpet exists in time and space and consciousness and existence. How extraordinary is that? How beyond our comprehension is that, that little speck? So it's, it's that kind of experience brings us back to the ordinary, but also brings back us to the, this extraordinary, wondrous nature of existence that we live in all the time and simply do not see. And it's right there in front of us. The founder of, one of the found, main founders of Zen in Japan, Dogen Zenji, um, there was a, a well-known book which was um, very, very much valued by a lot of people that came out about 30 years ago, which I gave a talk on once. And the title of it was Dogen, Mystical Realist. Mm-hmm. Or in Joko's book, Ordinary Wonder, they're pointing towards the same thing. Something very mystical about our experience and wondrous. And it's very realistic at the same time. Zen doesn't make some distinction between heaven and earth. So um, please practice with that. Just non-judgmentally be aware of fantasy when you're caught up in it. And instead of just drifting along in it, wake up to what's actually happening. <laughs>